So never think that you don't have purpose. If you were born, you have a purpose. If you've made mistakes, it doesn't matter. Where there is life, there is still hope. You can dust yourself off and you can start again at that 1% a day. I have 1%, I have 2%. By the end of the week, I'm I'm at 7%. That's 7% more than I started at last week. I'm good. I'm going to keep going next week. Week after that, the week after that, and the week after that, and then eventually you'll be at a hundred percent. And this is the big piece I want to drive home. What do you do when you reach one hundred percent? Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast came to help them find the way. Because of this, makers became founders and earned the money they deserve. Because of this, founders can have growth, freedom, and wealth. Wealth of time, wealth of impact, wealth of family and relationships, as well as financial wealth. True wealth is what I'm really all about. And this journey has been full of ups and downs for me. Hello, my name is Abdulaziz, and from being a poor boy born to a single mother in North Africa with no money, no connections, only hard work, persistence, and even more hard work to a European Ivy League business graduate with a great job. Still, I've lost everything twice, but I refuse to give up. So now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day. And I'm privileged to interview hundreds of amazing people from members of the Forbes Technology Council, Google executives, Amazon, Microsoft, LinkedIn executives, to Financial Times reporters, and people from Harvard University, Cambridge, Stanford, to the Vatican Church, even congressional candidates and decorated veterans, or just beginners wishing to make a difference in this world. All are welcome here. And thank you all so much for the support. After all this hard work of publishing a new interview every day, this podcast is now ranking nicely on Apple in the entrepreneurship category, top 200 in San Francisco, top 100 in Australia, top 100 in Singapore, top 60 in Germany, top 50 in Canada, top 50 in the United Kingdom, and top in many other places. So please share this podcast with one new person today, because when they listen to this podcast, they'll be in very good hands. And if you are interested in my marketing or podcast mentoring services, send me an email to mentor at storybonding.com. Now, let's begin. My guest today is Christopher Perceptions, from the vice chair of the Bronzeville Art Committee member to an education board committee member at the Milwaukee Art Museum, to being the CEO at CM Perceptions LLC, and now an immersed founder in residence at Bubble and the founder at Perceptform Inc., an end-to-end ecosystem of cryptocurrency 
blockchain products and services for introducing minority communities to the new world of blockchain. Christopher Perceptions, who also goes by his artist name CMP, has traveled the world from the USA to South Africa to Malta in order to follow his mission of aiding in mass adoption concerning cryptocurrency and community engagement with a focus on minority communities. CMP is a creative polymath, a musician heard all over the world, and an artist. His art pieces have been exhibited in various museums, and he is now creating NFTs to place his fine art on the blockchain. He has a true passion for empowering the powerless. CMP, how are you today? Wow, I am uh, I'm charged, man. Um, I'm definitely charged after listening to your introduction and everything. This is, a, this is an amazing opportunity, amazing moment in time. So I'm happy to be here. How about yourself, man? I'm excited, honored, privileged, and charged as well. So let's begin with my favorite new question, which is this. CMP, these days, this period, what seems to be the thought that returns to your mind often? Maybe it's something that is really important for you, or something you're trying to change, or to improve, or to get deeper on, that is really, really important? That is such a heavy question. Um, The concept of time, it's the thing that we all want more of, but we can never get any more of. Um, So I think every different person has um, certain benchmarks or checkpoints in their life um, where they are, are able to look back and say, this is something that was good. I got a good return on my time. There are other things that aren't necessarily losses, but they are lessons where you learn how to pivot. You learn not to do certain things again. Um, You spoke on your upbringing in North Africa, and I I can relate um, from an American standpoint what it looks like to come from the bottom. So kudos to you for uh, the grind and the grit that it took, because it's one thing to read about it in books, it's another thing when you actually live that life and you've experienced it. Um, grit isn't something that you can just kind of put on and take off if you come from places like yourself and myself. It's something that keeps you alive. So I, I look at the concept of time because uh, my mother is a Christian evangelist um, and my dad, who was in and out of my life, he was a drug dealer. So I grew up extremely quick, um, hearing gunshots every night, police sirens. Um, I even remember one time that there was a body found in a garbage can in my neighborhood. So I definitely understood the concept of mortality um, and really being uh, shrewd and wise regarding the use of your time because I didn't want to go to jail. I didn't want to die prematurely or be murdered. Um, I also didn't want to live in mediocrity. Um, Growing up in environments such as you and I, it's very easy to be traumatized um, and let depression set in and that kind of be a weight that takes you to the bottom of how this world is kind of structured, um, be it mentally, emotionally, economically. But there was something in me, and I truly believe it was the grace of God and the gift of God on my life and the favor of God on my life that 
told me like, I have to keep pushing. I have to keep going beyond just my own bloodline, beyond my own lifetime. There are certain things that I have to build out that are going to impact generations that I'll never see. So this concept of time, like, do I need more time or do I need to balance the time that I've been given? Um, so just time, long story long. Thank you. And I understand what you spoke about when you said the grace of God. To me, it's looking around and saying, no, I refuse to have this life. It's not for me or as 50 cents years ago, it's get rich or die trying. To me, it's have the right life that I deserve or die trying. There is no acceptance for mediocrity or dying with my song in my heart. Or as Thoreau mm. said, or it was at Emerson where he said, most people in the world are living a life of quiet desperation. Well, I don't want that. I'd rather have the fire to keep going until I arrive or I burn myself like those Buddhist monks who burn themselves in protest. But it won't be the acceptance at all of mediocrity because that is dying and having that glassy look in the eyes of most people where you see there is a body and th that is working and functioning, but the soul died and I refuse that and I don't mm. accept those circumstances. And to summarize what you said, if I understood you correctly about the concept of time, it actually, you began with the beginning at the end, which is wonderful. When you grew up in that circumstance, with your mother and your father was a drug dealer. Uh, my father, he left to, before I was born and divorced my mom. So I don't know what he will be doing now, uh, whether he's alive or not, but I don't know how it would feel to have uh, such a father uh, figure. So I don't miss it because it wasn't even a factor there. If anything, mm -hmm. I had to become my own father quick. So I fathered myself as I was saying, but you said, that And the body that was found in the garbage near where you lived, it gave you a concept of mortality and of time and that it's not about continuing your bloodline, but that you had something in you, the grace of God that told you you can have legacy and impact that extends beyond your life. And therefore, for you, time is valuable in many, many ways. It's one of them is you reflect back on what you have done and on what you're doing. And did you get a good return on your time? As well as do you need more time? How to use your time in order to have a bigger impact on future generations and on the powerless? And the time that was somewhat wasted or may, went into mistakes, well, that can turn into wisdom and lessons, and therefore it becomes useful time. Is this a correct understanding? Indeed. Um, and even to the point where, oh my goodness, this is getting deep really quick. I did not expect this. Um, even to the point of uh, legacy, that concept is what drives me. So if I could kind of summarize my life in three words, I would say God, family, business. God leads me, I lead my family, and then from those two pieces being tended to, I'm able to scale in business ventures, be it ideas, partnerships, 
concepts, things of that nature. So it all works in tandem for me. I can't silo them. They're just organized. So the concept of legacy is is deeply uh, ingrained into me because of having to, for lack of better words. Um, are you familiar with Noah's Ark? Before I even continue on, I want to make sure that this analogy comes through correctly. Are you familiar with Noah's Ark? Yes. Awesome. So um, in the Bible, it talks about this man who was righteous um, while the world was wicked. And he had to build an ark for him and his family. And then, you know, the Lord, he was going to tend to certain things on the earth and they would start all over again. What I always ask people is, who did Noah have a chance to talk to? Who was his sounding board? Who was Noah's mentor? More times than not, we can look through scripture and we can see that Noah didn't have that. It was just literally prayer and him doing the work. He got kind of a detailed download by way of vision. He went to it. It took some time and then it was accomplished. Um, We really don't get too many details in between. I feel like Noah in many regards where I was able to see what not to do um, by men in my life or um, how to empathize with people by uh, looking at my grandmother, my mother, my wife, even my my, uh, almost two-year-old daughter. Um, So I'm able to just learn and glean wisdom from people and just kind of roll on with life in the midst of everything that's going on. Because I think, and to your point, there are a lot of people that are functioning at a high level um, as mask wearers. People may have a lot of anxiety, a lot of concerns, a lot of depression, but they just, they bury it until they get home. They might drown themselves in Netflix, but they have something inside of them that's like, I need to produce this. I just don't know the steps on how to do it all or how to present it masterfully. Um, And because I don't want to be ridiculed, I'm not going to do it at all. I'm not going to even start. And that's sad because there's, and I heard the saying, the richest place on earth is the graveyard because there are so many books, um, musical pieces, um, art pieces, businesses that never started because people were afraid or for other different reasons. Um, so for me, this concept of time and this concept of legacy, I can't stop. I, I owe it to future generations. I owe it to those who poured into me. I owe it even to those who became enemies to show like, I forgive you. I hold no grudge against you. And because of that, I'm going to continue to excel in life. I'm going to continue to create things that potentially you may use. And we may circle back at another point in life and things can be um, cordial at very bare minimum. So it, it affects my family as I succeed. But the main goal is to touch the world, to impact the world. And I'm hyper-focused on doing so. Thank you. That's actually brilliantly said. And if I may summarize what I heard, since you said it's God, family, business, well, you are like Noah, where the mentor is actually a download from God, where you observe people, you notice the lessons that are coming through, whether you're from your family or any person you interact with. And that lesson guides you on the path as well as you accept to be ridiculed like Noah was, rather like most people, or as you said, the graveyard is the richest, wealthiest place on earth because so many people 
were afraid of ridicule, that they lived the wrong life, or as they say in Hinduism, it's much, much more fulfilling to fail following your path than to succeed following someone else's path. So to you, that download comes and God leads you through that and through his grace and you lead your family forward and both of those give you the inspiration to move towards legacy and the path that you use is business through ideas through the work you do in order to do few things one impact the world and future generations leave a legacy as well as be fired by the naysayers in order to have even more drive and passion to move forward when turning the ridicule and hate, if we might say, into a positive for- force that gives you more momentum, velocity, and forward movement. Is this a correct understanding? Indeed. Indeed it is. Thank you. And to relate it even more, did you have moments or experiences in your life that have shown you and made you even more of a true believer where you thought, wow, this, there is a plan right here. This happened for a reason. I couldn't have done it on my own. There is a higher power at play that you might share for people who might feel alone or hopeless or unsupported to know that they're actually, even if invisibly, more supportive than they expect. Wow. Um, I've never shared this story in an interview, but um, this is really the start of my, my journey. Um, I was obviously in this very highly volatile environment, um, but I was gifted. I, I wrote poems and songs, and I was teaching myself how to trade stocks and how to code and all these other different things. But it's hard to focus on the clicks on a keyboard when you're hearing gunshots next door and you're like, should I duck? Should I stand? How did, how does this work? Um, so I, I grew up with a lot of, um, concern, a lot of, am I going to die before I'm 16? Um, and that just was very traumatic on top of, you know, having a broken family, um, needing a dad, wanting a dad, but not necessarily having the ability to, to, lean into that. That wasn't my reality. Um, so it just made me extremely depressed. I started cutting myself, lots of, lots of different things, acting out, fighting at school, just really, really crazy things. So in the midst of this, I planned out my, my exit strategy, not in the sense of selling a company, but I was going to commit suicide. Um, I had knives under my bed and all of these different things. I would juggle knives. I was, I was a little different. But um, at one point, uh, all of my uh, immediate family that lived with me, or I lived with rather, my grandmother, my aunt, and my mom, they all had left and it was just me. Um, I was going to you know, commit suicide. So I got everything ready and tears are streaming down my face. I have this large butcher knife pressed into my neck and I'm about to you know, do it, all of a sudden I hear this loud, warm voice say, don't do it. And it almost like filled the house. And I'm, I'm perplexed because like there's no one else in this house except me. And I heard the voice say again, don't do it. And I dropped the knife and I just started sobbing. And then after I came back to myself, I'm like, what was that voice? 
and I started digging and I looked into various religions and all these different things, but there was something about this, this Jesus guy. So I really dug into him beyond the Bible, in the Bible, backwards, forwards, all throughout it. Um, and I saw even outside of the Bible, historical confirmations like, no, this guy lived, this guy was crucified. When he died, this, uh, the sky turned pitch black. He rose again from the dead, all from secular historians from that era who had no reason to write these things. So it's like, okay, this is really interesting. And when I would pray in the name of Jesus, things would happen like crazy things. Um, I was homeless for a time in my, my journey. And I discovered that um, in the midst of me, you know, kind of running from my calling, if you will, I kind of had a Jonah experience where I had such a, a heavy mantle and was getting dealt with in, in dreams and all of these different things, I, I discovered that I had this weird ability to empathize with both sides. So how I grew up on two sides of the tracks um, with my mom as an evangelist and my, my dad as a, a drug dealer who did voodoo, um, I would see him, he would ritualistically do things and he would pray for kilos of cocaine and they would appear. I would see my mom uh, do things with uh, clergymen or um, self-made millionaires, business deals, things of that nature. Um, and I would see them pray and things would happen. And it's like, oh my goodness, um, which path do I choose? And then I started to discover that even the devil himself can masquerade as an angel of light. So sometimes when people are saying like, oh, well, blessings and this and that, it's not coming from the same source. You know, if the, the enemy is a, a counterfeit, he can copy things and God is the creator who creates things, you can only, on one side, looking at the devil, he can only create with something that is creative or something that is created already. Does that make sense? Like he can't make something that's new. So um, in my journey, I just discovered that if I wanted something like my life to be completely recreated, then I would have to go with the only one who can do that. And that was Jesus. So um, the moment that I settled into that decision, the moment my life changed, um, that's when doors of museums began to open and I was able to author a book, Memoirs and Visions, and that was top 10 in um, on Amazon in the photojournalism ebook section with no marketing dollars, no nothing, which actually started out as me writing like a last will and testament because I thought I was going to just, you know, die prematurely. Um, and I just continued it on after, you know, God spared my life from so many near-death experiences, but I'll, I'll just save it for that. Thank you. That's a really inspiring story. And whether you lived homeless, and I risk that multiple times or being in winter and not even having enough money for heat, and it wasn't something I accepted. Some people will say, woe is me. To me, I thought, I refuse this. It's not for me. So if I understood you correctly, and that really powerful story of you having the butcher knife alone in the house on your neck and hearing the loud, warm voice saying twice, don't do it, and then also growing up on both sides of the track, noticing your father doing voodoo, praying for kilos of cocaine that will appear, or your mom praying 
whether with clergymen or businessmen for deals and things that will happen. And then you investigating the truth about Jesus and finding from uh, neutral, unbiased places that he was alive and that his story was true. And then you thinking about the devil and that the devil can masquerade as an angel of light, but he cannot create something that wasn't uncreated. He needs something created. So if you want to recreate some yourself from total, totally from scratch, you need to go to Jesus and you began praying and many great things happened to you, whether your book, which began as a last will and testimony and leaving something behind because you thought you'll die really young and it became a top seller or anything in life. It all comes from praying to God who can create from nothing something and he's the only one who can do that because the devil or any other sources, they cannot do that. Is this a correct understanding? Indeed it is. Thank you. And to explore uh, you as a creative person, your creative process, and I'm sure there are many people, whether they're new in business or they're old and grizzled but still would like to know your take on it, what is to you the creative process when it comes to business ideas? Where do they come from? Is it like you said God gives it to you as a download? Is it an inspiration where you look for signs? Is it like Carl Jung where he says the collective unconscious where all the ideas are there in the unconscious of all human beings? But when you get in the right state of mind, they will enter your own individual unconscious and therefore they come to you? Or is creativity simply reorganizing something that exists because there is nothing new under the sun, but you put a new spin on it? Or to you, how do you come or do they come to you, those creative business ideas, which could be a process that can be inspiring and instructive to the listeners? That's a weighty question. Um, wow. Yeah, there is nothing new under the sun. Um, and one may say, oh, well, what about Bitcoin and this industry that you're in? Like, isn't that new? It's like, no, it's just literally if we break it down into its most rudimentary, minute form, it's just ones and zeros. And numbers have been around forever. I, I view the world such as this. And I actually made a, a poem about it. It's called The World. Um, the world is nothing but letters, symbols, colors, and numbers. That's all it is. So if we were to build from that and start to begin to play with the concept of the subconscious mind, which I love that you even went there, um, there's a lot that can take place when you begin to unwrap the mystery that is the subconscious mind. Most people think that the frontal lobe or all of those other different portions of your brain, those are the driving forces. But it's really the patterns that you put in day by day, or even as you stated, um, building and growing 1% a day. If people started looking at life from how the subconscious mind processes information, looking at businesses that way, um, where if you could just get 1% a day, 
you're good because even 1% is uh, greater than, you know, 0.5% or 0.3% a day. It's a really good benchmark and it's not worth glossing over. Um, and it's, it's not, uh, it shouldn't be glossed over. I'll say it that way. Um, but from the standpoint of creativity, I do think that there is something powerful about being able to map out your process. So for me, my process is this, um, I can, pray. I can also be inspired by something that impacts me. So I'm really passionate about um, empowering marginalized communities. Um, I'm passionate about uh, the world as it relates to what people would call third world countries. Because I think that's kind of like a marketing thing, like a smear campaign potentially. Um, Because realistically, if you were to look at what a third world country is, it's just a, a lack or a gap in certain pieces of infrastructure, um, maybe some political upheaval, maybe there is some sort of um, crazy nonsense going on with their money um, as far as their their native currency. So those three pieces, more times than not, um, are part of the reasons why people call third world countries third world countries. But they're really not. If we were to compare apples to apples, and this inspires me as well, I spent some time in South Africa, my wife and I, and uh, we served at a a village called Live Village in Durban, South Africa, um, around children and just pouring into them, mentoring them. Um, For us, coming from America and living there for three months, we noticed an immediate difference in the sky, in the air quality in the soil's richness and the fact that the food, the fruit was the best that I'd ever tasted in my entire life. There were no chemicals, no nothing. Um, but this is quote unquote, a third world country. Um, when I flew into South Africa, the first thing I saw were uh, mansions on red soil right in front of the ocean. It's like, this is not what they're telling us. There, there's a reason why campaigns are as such, as you would know of, of anyone coming from Africa. Africa is beautiful. Um, and the same thing would apply for all of these other countries. There are bad spots and there are bad things, but that inspires me as well. The fact that there is so much potential. So if we were to kind of take a brief pivot into how creativity and business work in tandem, the best businesses solve the biggest issues or they find gaps in markets and they become the bridge. I mean, we see that with Amazon, we see that with Uber, we see that with Airbnb, we see that in my uh, industry of focus, which is the cryptocurrency blockchain industry. Um, There are so many reasons why Bitcoin is the the it kid on the block or NFTs, um, things of that nature, because they're filling a gap, they're addressing an issue. So when I see issues, I get inspired. It gets my mind going like, how can we resolve this rather than being a complainer? And that goes back to the first portion of this interview where you were speaking on people who might be living, but in their eyes, there's no fire. There's nothing inside. Um, And that scares me more than anything. Um, The sense of dying with uh, unfulfilled potential Wasted potential, I think, is a tragedy. It's a crime against humanity. It's a crime against generations. So when I see issues, it just charges me like, how can we fix this? How can we rectify this? That in and of itself is creative. Uh, The listener may never um, 
shoot photography. They may never create a film. They may never paint. They may never create an NFT. But if you're problem solving, that in and of itself is creativity, whether you choose to believe that or not. As someone who's been an entrepreneur and an artist since 2010 um, professionally, um, yeah, that's creativity. Thank you. And I really thank you for what you said about the somewhat of a smear campaign against third world countries. And it's funny, there are no second world countries. It's either first or third. And third world countries usually are very beautiful and really great places. But there could be a problem, whether, like you said, the infrastructure, there is a problem there, or the political upheaval, or with the money and the monetary systems, etc. And there is something that happens there because they're rich in resources. So there must be something going on. And you spoke about creativity and in business, that actually is the best businesses solve big problems for the world or find gaps that are unaddressed and be in the bridges for those gaps and any person who is solving problems well as they grow and solve bigger problems they become more valuable in this world and able to affect creatively the world because if there is a problem it's unsolved and therefore if you have a solution it's new or like you said before there is nothing new under the sun it's all the same but in a different structured in a different way or even better the French have a definition of what is an entrepreneur, which is actually a French word originally. It is any person who takes resources from a lower state of use and profitability to a higher state of use and profitability. So even this hour, by speaking about these deeper things together, we're taking this hour from maybe a time people would watch Netflix to a time that is higher value. So we're being entrepreneurs that we making this our more profitable and it's not only about money it can be profit in any other definition of wealth and i like to reclaim wealth to not just money but anything life life is wealth to be alive to to give your gift to the world and have that possibility and belief is truly wealth and to ask you because we didn't address something truly important and i would like your take on this People who are either afraid of being criticized if they share their gift with the world or like I and you mentioned about people who have that empty look in their eyes as if the soul left because they're not living to their potential or they're not creating what they should or even people in the no-code community who might spend hundreds or thousands of hours creating something but they never ship it or launch it because they worry about it failing. Well, what do you think are the main beliefs that cause people to not give their gift to the world? And what beliefs do you have that give you the courage and bravery and ability to not even, we don't have to qualify it as fearlessly, but at least effectively share your gift with the world? That's interesting. Um, I would actually kind of start from the end, the the concept of being fearless, I would couple that with uh, courage. Courage doesn't necessarily mean that fear isn't there. It's just like fear isn't my ankle weight. It's not my ball and chain. It's something that I can recognize 
and not in a compartmentalizing way. I can recognize it and I can put it in its proper place. Like, do I put this in my gas tank or for the electrical vehicle uh, drivers? Um, I want to get a Model X. So that's why I'm putting that in there. Um, you can put that fear in your battery, if you will. And it's like, okay, I can use this. Um, I think in the book, uh, Think and Grow Rich, they talk about transmutation, um, where you can take certain pieces of emotion and you can put it in a different place. And that can serve as more momentum, which in a kind of high concept way is very interesting. But for the, the no coders, we are living in an unprecedented time right now, <clears throat> excuse me, where we are able to build at scale almost anything we can imagine in our mind. The cool thing, and you can kind of glean this from the cryptocurrency community, this concept of being decentralized, where you don't necessarily put yourself as the, um, as the spearhead, um, where we were kind of taught and millennials, we're uh, one of the most important generations on earth. I'm not saying that from a, a pompous way. I'm just saying that if we were to look at the nuts and bolts of it, we were that generation that was at the end of an era and is entering into the beginning of an era from analog to digital. I remember Y2K. I remember all of that. And we were a part of this. So I think for us, if you are afraid to launch something, put that fear in its proper place. Don't let it hold you. Um, secondly, realize that you can create a brand and a product and you don't have to put your face on it. It can stand on its own. I know that there are tons of people, people who are millionaires and billionaires, um, some of which whom I've had a chance to interact with. Um, they're behind products and services that may do extremely well in the marketplace and you would never know it because that's not the premise of it. They wanted to just kind of test the idea. If the idea took root, awesome. If not, it's easy to close up shop and launch another idea or potentially reiterate that idea. It's very hard to do that when you're a multinational, multi-billion dollar organization. Because, and we can see this with Facebook and their cryptocurrency, not cryptocurrency, um, that once was called Libra, which kind of brief sidebar, that's kind of a shot at um, the Winklevoss twins because they have the Gemini exchange, Gemini, Libra, but nevertheless, they uh, they changed that to Diem. And there's a lot of uh, resistance from governmental bodies, which, you know, this is a multinational billion dollar organization that is having trouble doing something that you, the listener, could do in a matter of weeks. We've never had that type of um, leveling of the playing field. And that's why I'm a huge proponent of decentralized technology, blockchain technology. And I'm, I'm a huge proponent of uh, no-code tools. Um, as a, a bubble-immersed founder um, in residence, this has been truly one of the most impactful um, seasons of my life because I'm, I'm able to see regardless of where you're at, if you have a computer, if you have Wi-Fi, if you have an idea and you're able to map that out, you can launch a money-making product, period. There's no if, ands, or buts. There's no kingmakers involved. There's no validation that you need from some other person. You're the validation. 
uh, like Aziz said, life in and of itself is the gift. I had an uncle pass away um, from cancer recently who was a World Cup um, player. He played for the Milwaukee Waves. His name is Jimmy Banks, um, legend in his own right. And one of the things, the last conversation I had with him, he said that um, one of his regrets, he's traveled all over the world, had chefs cooking for him. One of his biggest regrets was never being able to go to Morocco and just play soccer. And there was this long pause and he just looked at me. It's like, okay, so I got to go to Morocco and I have to kick her soccer ball in honor for my uncle because I have something that he knew that he was kind of losing, which was life. Um, so while you have life, while there's life, there is hope. That's what I want to really leave you all with in this little portion. While there is life, there is hope. Doesn't mean that there won't be obstacles. Doesn't mean that there won't be things that will try and deter your focus or take away your energy or your time. Um, but you have to choose what you're going to do. So for me, I'm choosing to live my life under this banner, God, family, business. I'm going to share my gift with the world. I'm going to give my gift to God. And that's it. I'm going to go at this uh, with so much vigor that if I crash, it's okay because I knew at least I gave it my best. But if I succeed, then the statement of you only have to be right one time as an entrepreneur, um, that really holds true. You only have to be right one time. That's it. So out of your five ideas that you're afraid to deploy, maybe that one will get that ball rolling on what you really want to do in life. Or maybe that one that you're holding could be the answer for millions of people. So that's what I would say. Just go, just do it, try it. Thank you. And actually something that I believe is a big misconception because you shared a lot of value there is people think when you're on the right path, it should be easy. But the reality is your path is the one that will challenge you to grow the most and therefore life or God or the universe or anything there that you believe in, dear listener, will throw at you so many obstacles, but the benefit, it's not trying to stop you from arriving. It's just telling you, give this everything you have and know that 1% a day, you're becoming also a better person so that in the end, when you arrive, yes, you can have recognition or you can have whatever would be at the end waiting for you. But that person you will become, the character you will build, you'll be proud of that. And that is priceless. And that is really the best use of time and life, according to me, in my humble opinion. It's using your time to become someone you're proud of, that is truly the most valuable thing. Yes, you can have things like money in the bank and a successful um, SaaS or whatever, but if you look, you cannot even look yourself in the mirror because you're not proud of that person. And I believe many of the people who make it big quickly, they get quick successes or child celebrities, they turn crazy later and they go on a self-destructive route because their metal or their character doesn't match the level of attention and success. So they cannot handle that. Please comment on this, but I will take it also as well to a place that is almost a bit more political because you spoke about political things three times already. Gary Vee said recently that 
blockchain will change the universe, but it's so dangerous for governments that if they realize the power and the leveling of the field it gives to people, they will destroy it. What are your thoughts on that, as well as any comments on what I mentioned? From the standpoint, and I'll definitely expound on the blockchain piece, it's it's interesting. Um, but from the standpoint of childhood trauma, there's a lot of brilliant people who are held back because of this thing called arrested development. So um, my wife and I, we've been together for almost 10 years at this point, which is nuts. Um, so we're over that five-year hump, basically. Um, but long story short, growing up in volatile environments, um, because we grew up in the same neighborhood for the most part, there was a lot of trauma that I didn't realize I hadn't dealt with. And it came up in my life in a way that I never would have expected. And it broke me. So I had to go to counseling to try and like figure this piece out. And then in the midst of that, you know, there's a saying, hurt people, hurt people. Um, just like, you know, whole people help other people become whole. Um, rich people can help other people become rich. It's like this kind of reciprocity thing. But, you know, what you give is what you receive. So for all of us, my wife and myself, we just decided to do um, counseling in general. It's like, is there trauma hidden somewhere in our marriage? Is there trauma hidden in my wife? Is there trauma hidden in me? Um, so we're going to, between the both of us, like three counselors. And it was time consuming. It was painful. But my counselor told me something that was interesting because um, there was a lot of trauma that happened to me as a young child, physically, emotionally, mentally, sexually, all of it. Um, he, my counselor told me <clears throat> that sometimes healing hurts, but it's different than going through pain. Like there's different kinds of pain. Um, there's pain that will, you know, lead to wholeness. Like if you break your arm and you have to be put in a cast, like that might hurt for a little bit, but in the end, it's actually going to heal you. Um, or there's, you know, pain that's just self-destructive. Like you're numbing yourself with some sort of thing in pop culture. They talk about drugs, which is why we have a lot of celebrities and youth doing drug overdoses or driving while drunk and flipping cars and all of that. You're running from something, but the more you chase that thing, that vice, um, that could be, you know, locked in some sort of childhood trauma that's undealt with. Um, the more that you're spending your time, your money, your your good years, your youth. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's something to be said about that. I know a lot of people ridicule those childhood celebrities. It's like you have everything that people could ask for: money, you have fame. It's like, well, people really want love. Not to sound cliche, but you know, kids can die if they're not spoken to in the proper way, little babies. Um, we can even see it with molecule studies where people speak loving words. I love you. I appreciate you to water and they freeze it. It forms beautiful patterns. But if you say, I hate you, you disgust me to that same water, it'll form something that looks atrocious. So down to our molecular structure, words are powerful. The Bible says it this way, the power of life and death is in your tongue. So what you say to a child saying, I'm going to bully you. I'm going to beat you up. I've been bullied before, so I know what that can yield. If you plant that seed with your words, you're going to reap a harvest of someone who is ruthless, someone who might have gone down a wrong path. 
um, and people deal with rejection differently and all of those different things. So I, I give grace to those people who had to grow up in limelight because, you know, if you don't know what you don't know, but once you come to a place of awareness, now you're accountable for what you do. So that's the difference. If you know better and you're not doing better, that's wrong. That's wrong. And that needs to be changed. But getting into the blockchain piece, um, I definitely agree. Gary V is is right regarding uh, governments. There's this talk, and I actually just shared um, in one of my Discord groups that I'm in, uh, Steve Forbes on the Forbes YouTube channel. He was talking about a digital dollar. And I'm like, oh, we're about to you know hit that point where um, very high level figureheads are going to start pitching and getting into the subconscious mind of the masses. What would it look like for a digital dollar? What most people don't realize is in America, the first stimulus package, they tried to present that and it didn't get passed in the Trump administration um, that was taken out. But the committee is still meeting about this concept of a digital dollar. The Biden administration, they said that they're going to keep their eye on it. I was really keen to see how they would respond with the GameStop situation. And they were just watching, which I found really interesting, which means if a man like that and a woman like that, as far as a, a Madam Vice President um, Kamala Harris, if they're just sitting and they're watching, that means they're drafting up some sort of plan regarding a response to this. So as someone who has a company in this industry, I know that it's the builders, the developers, um, those who are creating bridges, those are the people who are going to be either A, under the most scrutiny by way of regulation, and or B, people who profit much. It's almost like the concept of the California gold rush. Did you want to actually go dig for gold or did you want to go sell shovels? I would say that this is a time frame, even now, for people who feel like they've missed the Bitcoin bus and whatnot. There's so much more to this crypto thing than Bitcoin. And this is not financial advice, by the way. Um, but Bitcoin as a store of value, um, as a means of remittance answer, there's so much that can come from this. The technology has not even begun to unveil itself as far as use cases, we're just now starting to see the beginning of the beginning. So um, I think governments have their hands full um, because you can't stop it. And just to be very clear and frank, if the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers um, were late to the party in 2017, quote unquote, when that first uh, bull run hit in Bitcoin went to 20,000 and then it crashed and there was a smear campaign. Oh, Bitcoin is dead. It's a scam. A lot of those people are recanting their statements. They're getting positions in Bitcoin. Um, JP Morgan recently announced a basket of cryptocurrency companies where they may have Bitcoin in their treasuries or they may be producing mining equipment. So they're, they're positioning one way or another to get into this. Institutions are dumping hundreds of millions of billions of dollars into this, not because they want to uh, be rich. They're already rich. They're really wealthy from the fiscal standpoint. They're dumping that amount of money in because they want to stay rich. That's the difference. And lastly, and I'll end with this piece, um, point, uh, point 0.1 Bitcoin, that denomination, point 0.1 Bitcoin will put a holder of that amount into the new 1%, which is 
amazing. So if you were to dollar cost average and put $5 a week into Bitcoin, $10 a week, whatever your threshold is, for one, understand it before you invest in it. Never invest in anything you don't understand. And two, don't invest more than you're willing to lose. So if you're drinking $25 worth of Starbucks every week, put $5 of that into Bitcoin, hypothetically. And, you know, continue to do that. Don't touch it. Just let it be a savings mechanism. There are certain use cases where people may want to spend their Bitcoin, things like that. It, it varies, but more times than not, people just hold it. If you acquire 0.1 Bitcoin, statistically speaking, that would put you in this new 1%, which is wild. You don't even have to own a full Bitcoin to be a part of this 1%. So that is the level of democratization that the world at large and every industry is going to experience because of blockchain technology. We're seeing it in the art world with this NFT run. We're seeing it in finance. We're going to see it in real estate when we start really on a mainstream level tokenizing real estate through fractional shares, which uh, my company and our partner solidblock.co is their website. But uh, myself, SolidBlock, we're able to tokenize real estate. Um, it's It's mad what's about to happen. So within these next three years, we're going to see a ramp up of hyper digitalization with blockchain. I like that. There was a lot of very valuable, optimistic, and very honest and true information about blockchain. And I liked what you spoke about when you spoke about trauma and childhood trauma and arrested development, which is an old school hip hop uh, group, but also psychological concept. That's and right. I remember, I remember a quote from a Native American uh, mystic who said, "The path of releasing your trauma is hard, but you know what is harder? Not releasing your traumas." So that is actually something to live a life where you're pulled and tugged on by traumas is actually a way, way worse than, like you said, there is a difference between the difficulty, the pain, and all that. To end with two things, please, because this could go on for a long time and it doesn't even feel this long. Do you have a piece of really good life advice that you feel is worthy and important and valuable to share right now? As well as if people want to follow you to learn more about your work, to be involved with what you do or to participate in any way, what links or social media or websites would you like to share? And I will write them in the description as well. That's perfect. I'll be sure to send those over to you. Um, but yeah, life, uh, man, you keep hitting me with these uh, these deep statements and questions. Um, but just for the sake of time, I will say this, know that you have a purpose. Forget that whole trendy word of, uh, uh, what is it, uh, imposter syndrome. Forget that. That's neither here nor there. You, from a statistical standpoint, if we were to just look at biology, removing spiritual conversation, blockchain, just look at biology. A sperm getting to an egg, that is a very crazy type of race like from the moment that you begun to form um and you were knit together in your mother's womb that process was very daunting 
And none of us really remember that, but we're almost sprinting for the ability to create and have purpose and to see what the sun would look like and all of these other different things. So from the moment of conception, your purpose began. So never think that you don't have purpose. If you were born, you have a purpose. If you've made mistakes, it doesn't matter. Where there is life, there is still hope. You can dust yourself off and you can start again at that 1% a day. I have 1%, I have 2%. By the end of the week, I'm, I'm at 7%. That's 7% more than I started at last week. I'm good, I'm gonna keep going next week. And week after that, and the week after that, and the week after that. And then eventually you'll be at 100%. And this is the big piece I want to drive home. What do you do when you reach 100%? You're still going to be adding percents to yourself in this analogy. So what you do is you pour into others. You pour that into others. If someone is low, if they're at 5%, you give them a percent. Almost like Oprah, that little gif, you get a car, you get a car, you get a percent, you get a percent. You pour into people. Um so that's what I would recommend um, as, as life advice. Remember that you have a purpose, that you were created for a reason. Now, the fun part for you is to figure out what that is and how to execute that, because we all have a finite amount of time to bring it all full circle. We have a finite amount of time where we have to, in one way or another, good or bad, create a legacy that could be a pathway for others to follow. Um, so for me, I liken myself as someone who is in the thick of a jungle, just chopping with a machete, building out other tools so that I can, you know, chop through and plow through this hard ground. I'm getting hit with thorns and I'm tripping over rocks and uh, mountain peaks and all these other different things so that eventually when I look back, there's a generation that won't have to start as hard as I did. They'll know you have to take time for your family. There's nothing more important than family. You can have a hundred billion dollars in cash or in Bitcoin, but if you're staring at market screens all day and you're not pouring into your children and you're not loving on your wife, um, in my case, then it's pointless. Whatever I've accumulated is pointless. Um, so having that balance, um, so that I'll leave it at that. We can go for for a long time, Aziz, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, regarding links, there are a few things that I'll say. Um, and again, I'll, I'll type them in the, uh, the chat or I'll DM you so that they can be put in the description. Um, first and foremost, my um, company, perceptform.tech, that is the, the main piece. We have four verticals. We're dealing in finance, education, art, and real estate. So we're able to tokenize real estate. We're consulting with museums and galleries and artists regarding NFTs. Um, we're creating curriculums and an educational platform for people to um, learn about decentralized concepts. We already have a course actually, it's called Simply Cryptocurrency and Simply NFT. Um, you're able to learn complex um, topics in short amount of times, as well as finance. So we're creating a social crypto wallet um, and that's gonna be launched on June 19th of 2021. And that is called Percept Pay. And that's powered by our main company, Percept Form. So that's really the main piece. I'm also happy to announce that uh, the actor and award-winning um, author, Hill Harper, um, and myself, we are in a strategic partnership. We are, along with a few other really amazing minds, um, creating and launching a, a platform called The Black Wall Street. And that is 
going to be live on May 1st. So theblackwallstreet.com, you can kind of sign up and be uh, notified once that is launched fully. There's a lot of really amazing things happening there. And lastly, I'm on social media. So uh, my Instagram, my Twitter, it's the same. It's literally the at sign CMP. GFB. Be sure to tag me and Aziz if you uh, listen to this and and let me know your thoughts. I would love to expound if you all have any questions. Um, But yeah, those are the the three points that um, I think are are good just for the sake of time. So thank you again so much, Aziz. I really appreciate the opportunity. You are welcome. And this was absolutely magnificent. As many people, I will recommend it to as many people as possible because we went deep and it flow. The flow was absolutely magnificent. Maybe we were jamming since you're a musician. It was great. And since you mentioned people to tag me, well, my Twitter, and that's the best place to communicate with me, is at NoCodeWealth. And thank you so much. I wish you a brilliant day. I look forward to even more of your progress, legacy. And as you said, it's very important. You return to time and legacy. So it was a beautiful completion or closure to this interview. And I wish you a great day. And you as well. And we'll have to do this again once uh, things are a little bit further along. But uh, absolutely, man, I I hope and pray that you have a great day as well. And thank you again so much. Mm -hmm.